Praise God. And may we all listen with a keen ear to see what the Spirit of God is saying to each of us. Ultimately, that's the purpose for which we listen. We listen to see what the Holy Spirit is speaking to us and whether, as a result of hearing the Word of God, again, we are any more reverent and obedient. Important. Sometimes we may think of humility and reverence. There's a whole lot of that which is not true before the Lord. And the reason we know in many, many places and many people the reverence and humility that seems to be there, at least externally, and the exterior looks like that. There are cultures, I've mentioned this before, where we may show that reverence I mentioned in that big station, Grand Central Station in New York City, I've passed through hundreds of times, if not thousands. I remember one time in the crowded New York City Grand Central Station, major hub for interstate train routes in the heart of Manhattan. I remember in that crowded place there are two Japanese men apparently parting ways saying goodbye. In this crowded station they bowed to each other as they said goodbye and it seemed as if neither one wanted to be next to the last to bow. So they continued to bow as they parted ways. They would bow, and partially turn, they turn around and bow again, smile, and look at their friend. While the other one was bowing also very low, almost parallel to the ground, if not parallel to the ground, the upper torso, bowing down. Why did they bow? Obviously, it's a sign of respect for one another. So cultures can have certain ways. In Indian culture, there's a way of using the head and the hands and the shoulders to acknowledge the other person. It's a sign of respect to have the body involved in the conversation. And it would be very offensive in, in most uh, of the traditional circles to remain stiff and say bye with a nod of the head. So cultures can have different ways of expressing respect physically. All the while, within the heart, there may be resentment toward the other person, but they go through the external motions. We may see that as hypocrisy. Why even go through all those emotions? Well, it's a cultural rule. Yet you do certain things to express their respect. Even if it's not there in the heart, you want to show that it's there, at least outside, and make people think it's in the heart. God wants none of that. 
And so we can draw near to God or hear the sermons. We can have this external respect and reverence. We can come ever so pious, ever so religious, and go away with no change in the heart whatsoever. God takes issue with that with every human being. Sometimes people don't want to hear certain things. The Lord calls them people with itching ears. People with itching ears who come near to the Lord and they set up prophets and people who will tell them what they want to hear. We can become selective not only in our hearing but in our preference as to who we will listen to and when. The recording has started. You can see this in pets, even in pets and animals, you can see a defiance. They will select, and of course with animals there's instinctive loyalty, if you will, to the one who feeds and takes care of the animal, spends time with the animal. Speaking of pets, it's animals that can be uh, domesticated. They will respond normally to certain individuals that they count as their caretakers. But you see a resentment when the animal doesn't want to do something. Even in the softest animal sometimes. The wildness, wildness within the animal cannot be tamed. There's a certain part of that nature. And those who are animal trainers or those who are familiar with animals, they can pick up on that defiance because it's been recorded through observations, scientific study, and also just by experience. In the animal kingdom, we can read a lot, we can study a lot, we can observe a lot. The Lord says the, the animals know their owner. He said, but you don't know who I am. And Malachi says that, and elsewhere, that even the animals know the times and the season, but my people, they're extremely dull, the Lord says. The question is, with all of these things, am I sensitive to the Holy Spirit? Or do I respond based upon my emotions and how I feel? Do I respond to the Holy Spirit, what He's speaking? And how do I know that I'm really humble before God and reverent? Is it from the external, exterior actions and posture? I remember I had a family relative tell me years ago that when you pray, you must put your hands together like this. And the putting of the hands together was the way you see in paintings and in many cultures. That you must do this when you pray. In the mind of that individual, 
that reflected humility and reverence. And yet, we can do all of those external things and be far from God and be proud. So how do I know if I'm really reverent and humble? If I really am all ears, so to speak, when God speaks, and not selective and I can sit in the service, it's possible to sit in the middle of a spiritual service. I'm not talking about dead churches. Places where they go through the, the forms but there's no godliness. They have a form of godliness, external. The Apostle Paul says that to Timothy. There are people who have a form of godliness, but they deny the power altogether. They really don't believe. How do you know when you believe? When you have that passing mark from the report card from heaven, from the judge of all judges, the Almighty God, to whom we'll go and stand before one day. How do we know that God says, yes, you are humble? Never mind what I say. What maybe I can get people to say. People pat others on the back, so to speak. How do I know if God sees me as reverent, not just by what I say or what I look like on the outside, how I pose? What people think of me, some people live or die by other people's looks in their report cards. It's a shame that a human life can be controlled because a person yielded himself or herself to be manipulated based upon what others do or don't do as if another human being created them. God is the creator. He's the one before whom we stand or fall, as the Bible says. And to him, all creatures will go. Even the stars in the universe, the Bible says, one by one they will come as a roll call. Bow before him. How much more people were made in the image of God, all humanity. Billions of people since the dawn of man. And yet there are people whose real God is not God. It's other people. Who I can please who I can get a good name from and who will totally destroy my day if I don't their approval, if I'm not famous in their eyes. Much ado about nothing, as Shakespeare said. It's a life that is totally wasted on image and status before people. What a waste. External humility, external reverence, external faith, nothing on the inside, hardly, if at all. How do we know that God sees reverence, obedience, and belief or faith as genuine? How do we know in God's book it counts and it's not a waste, it's not fake? Only one way, if we obey what he's told us to do. There's no other way God sees it. There's no other way He will evaluate. Anyone's humility, obedience, I should say, humility, reverence, and faith. There's no other way He'll evaluate it. There's no other way He knows of. There's no other way that would be correct and righteous to determine whether 
the pious act on the outside, the external piety or reverence, external humble posture, external faith, is really on the inside unless God sees obedience. May the Lord continue to purge each and every one in this church that we be not those whom the Lord has said at the end of time I don't know you I don't know from where you're coming because you never really lived for me you wanted to impress me and impress people especially they were your gods and you wanted to impress yourself as long as you can give yourself a pass with flying colors and God says unless you trash those things you can never come near me unless you trash your self confidence unless you treat as garbage and refuse other people's opinion of you and the image and the status and come to me as the apostle Paul said I count everything as garbage all that I've achieved I don't live for people for their recommendations and commendations. He said, I don't even judge myself in the sense that I'm not the final judge of my spiritual state. God is. And so Paul says, I tremble before the Almighty God with joy, but I tremble knowing my day is coming. If the Apostle Paul can be of such a state that he was making sure he was correct in the sight of Almighty God with all that he did in the name of Jesus. He hazarded his life and yet he was careful to make sure that after preaching to others you see we can evangelize we can tell the whole world about Jesus but if we lose our soul, we'll be the biggest fool. We can do a lot of things in the name of God. We can bring people to the family of God, to the house of God. We can bring a million people to the house of God. We can win all our relatives to the house of God, to God himself. But if we don't obey God and we have no more than crocodile tears, trust frustration and anger and bitterness we'll lose our soul that's the truth but even as I'm speaking we can choose to be selective even as God is speaking we can choose to be selective God I don't want to hear those things I came to hear things that will comfort me how can comfort come unless the trash is taken away God refuses to decorate trash refuses to empower the flesh the carnal nature he refuses to cover up sins he cannot, he's a holy God how long can a person go on pretending yes Jesus is my Lord I'm humble and I love him I obey him, he's my only God and yet you see there's much accusation much bitterness, much complaint. 
many, many things that are wrong. And yet, blessed be God, God causes for evaluation in his triage. It's like in a medical facility, in an emergency room. God has his triage. He will treat us if we are willing to be treated. But first, he has to diagnose us. Most people do not want the diagnosis. In fact, they don't want the doctor. They refuse the great physician, Jesus. They want the Savior, Jesus, who will come and make them feel better. Bail them out. May the fear of God go in us and through us. Permeate this church. Each of us examine ourselves to see whether we're actually in the faith. It's possible to be in the midst of 12 disciples and be one of them and actually be fake. God has an influence on the human heart. There's no one that came near Jesus that did not get conviction. No one. And there are people like Judas who actually had a change as a result of coming near Jesus. But at some point, he got accustomed to the family. He thought the family of God, once you're in, you're in. You made it, you're inside. Now you can never be disowned. The Bible says very, very emphatically, and God proved it in the way he handled Israel in Judah in the New Testament with Judas and Ananias and Sapphira and many others God said and proved just because you're in doesn't mean you're going to make it to heaven you're in as a probation you're in the family of God it's real the bond is real because God doesn't play games he loves us he didn't give his blood for nothing. But those he sacrificed himself to purchase with his own holy blood, if they become humored and accustomed and hypocritical, God says, I'll throw you out. Because God is no respecter of persons. He said, Revelation 22.12, And behold, I come quickly, and my pay, my wages are with me. I'm coming to pay. Everyone, I am the Alpha and the Omega. All of time and history, every human being, all of creation comes right within God's dealings. Begins and ends with Him. And the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Why did God say this, Jesus, in the very last chapter of the Bible? Because he says, I'm sifting through hearts. This is the truth. It's a sobering truth. If it doesn't strike terror in a good way in every heart, then here's the word. That God is coming soon and he will judge us. Everyone will be subject to judgment. Paul said we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. How do people feel when they have a court date? 
even if it's a traffic ticket appointment, there's a sense of dread that maybe I will get a fine that will be so large or maybe they won't listen to the plea or the defense. And just being there can cause to be very nervous because we're essentially in a place where people are, for the most part, if not all, are guilty of violation before a human judge, human law. And if the sentence and the consequence be greater than just a monetary fine or even a threat of imprisonment, but actual imprisonment, if the threat be actual death for crime committed, capital punishment, how much more does a human being tremble? Especially those who know on the other side of this life there's an eternal state I must be prepared for. And this kind of understanding was very prevalent and present in the early church. This is why the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Peter, the Apostle James, all of these people, Jude, the Gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, the writer to the Hebrews, all of these holy and devout, genuine lovers of God speaking by the Holy Spirit warned that judgment must begin first at the house of God. That's why it's very difficult to comprehend how people can treat God as a compartment in their lives. Busy lives Following God and the Bible has its place in my life. Oh yes, I can't leave home without it. But it hasn't taken over the life. And if it hasn't taken over our lives, if Christianity, the Bible, the Lord Jesus Christ has not taken over my life, then I cannot live with Him in heaven. Plain and simple. So we have to be careful of a partial Obedience, which will equal total disobedience, ultimately. Pretentious reverence, which God will expose on that day, especially before all the universe. Everybody, not only the relatives. Do you realize? Relatives will get to see what's really in our hearts on Judgment Day. Even our close relatives distant relatives, friends, neighbors and colleagues, everybody will get to see before the holy angels. God will expose everything that's in the heart. Everything. Many people will be shocked. This is the person. But they were so religious. They were so nice. They were so kind. They even brought me to God, but I didn't know. There were murderers and murderesses in their hearts, snakes under the sheets. God have mercy. 
With St. Paul says, I don't judge myself, meaning I'm not my own judge. Ultimately, God is. And I'm not looking to excuse myself. And no one can give me a good report card and have it hold for eternity. Only God can do that. And he said, so I judge myself. I judge myself, so I won't be judged later. In other words, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, but I don't have to fear judgment, not because I'm a man with no fear, or a woman or a girl who has no fear of baseball cap, written all over my t-shirt, no fear. It doesn't make a person have no fear before God. That a person who fears God and keeps his commandments now won't have to fear God's wrath later. That's the meaning. May the fear of the Lord grip every heart in this church because we've been given so much from God we'll be held accountable all the more. You see, the reason Bethsaida, Capernaum, and Chorazin were renounced by Jesus Christ, which means disowned. Even though they were part of Israel, even though they heard the preaching, they were privileged to hear God in human form walking in front of them, preaching and doing miracles that no one else did. And yet they said, get out. We don't want to hear you. We have our own religious way of going to church. We don't need to hear you come and tell us how to check our hearts. You know what the Lord Jesus said? He said, Woe unto you, Chorazin, Bethsaida. Woe unto you, Capernaum. If what was told to you was heard even in Sodom and Gomorrah, They would have repented in dust and ashes. He said, now your judgment is going to be intolerable. It will be more tolerable for those people who are so wicked. Their sins reached up to heaven. God came down to see what's going on here. And he overthrew them, destroyed them with an overthrow that he told Abraham I'm going to wipe this place out, these places. Abraham looked once the destruction happened. It looked like an oven burning up to the sky. Horrible judgment. God says to these cities in Galilee, it would be better for them on judgment day. You see, there's a judgment. It's not over. Physical destruction is not the only thing God does. Jesus said, don't fear those who can kill the body and afterwards they can't do anything to you. Jesus said, fear him rather who after he destroys the body can throw both body and soul into hell. Jesus said that. That's what the fear of God is. Understanding that he's holy. I can't afford to toy with this or give me a good report card because give myself that because I think I'm pretty good. What kind of prayers do you pray before God's presence? Is it about God? You know who I am. As long as you know my heart, Lord, I'm fine. 
God is tired of those prayers coming from millions of people. He said, will you pray sincerely for once? God have mercy. Because one day, everything that's inside, not one thing will be hidden. Jesus said, everything will be disclosed. Everything. We better get our act together now, while there's time. Otherwise, it will be very, very bad later. God comes to us and he says, I can forgive you if you're sincere. How do I know that God knows I'm sincere? How do I know God thinks I'm reverent and I'm obedient and I'm really humble? How can I know? Do I say, well, it's up to the gods, as the heathens say? Or has God revealed to us how we can know now before it's too late? Obedience. God says, stop being hypocritical. Stop putting your money before me. Stop putting status in your human society before my commandments. Don't have time for God. As we heard many times here, God will not have time for you. Agreeing that, yes, God, I must give you time and giving him a meager amount in the leftovers God will show us on that day what we really thought about him because we didn't care to be in his presence we need to be very careful especially when we see another brother or sister fall and judgment coming to the house of God may God's fear grip our hearts lest we talk in a glib way and God's judgment is coming upon someone for the disobedience because we could be next. God is no respect for persons. In all our speaking, all our thoughts, we must say, Lord, who am I? Who am I, Lord? But for the grace of God go I. Let me be all the more alert and sober and humble that I'm not the next one to be utterly exposed and renounced before Almighty God. May I be found not a Judas, but a James and John, faithful to the Lord. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for this exhortation that was unplanned. I pray that we hear the word of God very carefully. In all our mirth, all our joy, in all of our celebration, in all of our happiness, Lord, help us to have the genuine fear of God. We don't cross the boundaries God has set up. We stay humble. We know the same God who gave a job can take the job away. The same God who gave us a family can take the family away. The same God who gave us health can take it all away. It's the mercy of God we're alive. The mercy of God that we're able to know the love of God, not just to survive. The mercy of God that God has called us, and it's a holy calling. We have to treat it with utmost reverence. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, Father. Jesus. Help us, Lord. To have a greater fear of you. 
that we walk before you sincerely. That we'd never say anything we don't mean when we talk to you. And we're careful not to be a public religious person. Lord, not to have false humility. But to check that index. To really examine ourselves and see if there's any bitterness at all. Any wrath at all. Any anger at all. Any clamor at all. Any evil speaking at all within us. Evil thoughts. Conversations in the head. Any malice ill will toward anyone at all to really see whether we are tender hearted kind forgiving one another because if not we won't be forgiven you said to check our holiness love and faith to see whether we actually have these things as you see right through us and whether we're growing in those things, oh Lord, oh Father, how soberly we must live. Thank you, Jesus. As you spoke to the Apostle Paul by the Holy Spirit, being therefore, or knowing the terror of the Lord, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men quickly. As we tell our relatives and people, quick, come to God. Lay hold on the love of God. Forget about fake religion. Billions of people with fake religion will go to hell. Don't you be among them. I love you too much. Can I tell you the whole truth? It's Jesus and his blood that will save you. Are you in? Will you come and surrender to the Lord? Die to yourself? Take up your cross and follow him? At the same time, Lord, help us to make sure we're in and we stay in with you. By growing in holiness, love and faith. By having sincere obedience, Lord. Saying, I'm done with this world. I don't care. What people think of me, I'm dead to that foolishness. That the God of this world, the devil, works in people to program them to be just like him, fake, full of envy and anger, bitterness, but come as an angel of light on the outside. Oh Lord, I pray help everyone to be careful, to make sure we're pleasing you. And not, Father, giving blanket prayers and blanket statements before God of heaven and earth, lying congratulating ourselves in your presence, at the same time having fake humility, with no obedience to forgive, to listen, to renounce money, renounce pride, renounce all those things that people die with and go to hell with. The lust of it, not even the things. Help us be holy people, Lord. And I pray that you continue to burn through this church, as you said. The fire of God will be its entrance. 
Thank you, Lord. We can count on you, Lord. Because you observe all the games. You yourself will put an end, an end to all those who play games. But those who are sincere, you see through all the alibis and the excuses. But those who are sincere, Lord, you'll say, come near. So I can refine you more and make you like gold. Oh, Jesus, I thank you. Thank you, Lord, our healer of our souls and bodies and minds. In Jesus' precious name, I thank you. Thank you for the glorious service you gave yesterday. Thank you, Jesus. Help us to tremble before you. To show that it's real when we tremble in your presence in the house of God. When we hear the messages by obeying you when we're away from the house of God in our homes. Jesus, in this house of God, thank you and praise you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.